We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Hello, mate. Hello. Hello. What are you doing? <laughs> are we supposed to be doing it right now? Yes. What? Are oh you... shit! <laughs> right. Yes. I'll log on. What? What, Sorry. Did, what did you think was happening? I don't know. I I, I dropped back home in good time. And then now you mentioned it. Yes, it should be now. Yes. Good point. Sorry. Yes. Right. Doing it now. Sorry. Bye. Bye. Hello. Can you hear us? Yeah. (laughs) Have we dragged you out of bed? I'm so sorry. (laughs) Sort of bed. Yeah, it's sort of bed. I mean, it's, it's been a very long day, you know. It's a very, very long day. Okay, well, we won't. We'll. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Me and Finny will do the heavy lifting on this episode, and you Would can you just mind? you can just drunkenly chime in occasionally. I'm quite tired, you know. It's quite late. Feel free to nap as well. Feel free to nap. I might. Okay. At some point, we'll return the favour, and me and Finny will have to do an early morning in exchange for for you, as you have so far had to do the rather shit times. Right. Let's begin anyway. Good luck, everyone. (laughs) Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And a week is a very long time in cricket because this time last week I was talking about how brilliant England are, how they had just spanked Afghanistan, how they looked like the tournament favourites, how they looked pretty much unbeatable, how they were back to their best after an iffy few months earlier in the year how Butler and Mott, the captain-coach combination, had finally worked it all out. We were going to win the World 2020. It was going to be beautiful. It was going to be magnificent. And then England inexplicably lost to Ireland. It's worth mentioning at this point that Ireland were absolutely brilliant and completely deserved their win. And now it's very touch and go. At the time of recording, England have just finished a very good, brilliant, in fact, victory over New Zealand. And... 
they still are just about keeping their head above the water. They've still got a chance of making it through to the final stages of this tournament. Finney, I guess that's the the beauty of T20 and why it captures a lot of people's imagination is that it's the one format where there's the biggest chance of an upset, as shown not just by Ireland beating England, but by several upsets in this tournament already. Yeah, certainly. I think the shorter the format, the more it evens the playing field, I think, and allows one person to have a brilliant day and to win their team the game. And Ireland certainly played very well. Andy Balberni, their captain, played awesomely in that game to set it up for his team. You know, the question marks about whether England would have chased those runs in those final five overs, but Ireland certainly deserved the victory for the way that they played up to that point. But yeah, it does mean that all the big teams are just still on their guard all the way through with the amount of rain that we've had as well that's evened the groups out. Yeah, it certainly means that it's going to be an interesting last few games in this group stage. It is fucking freezing here, right? It is freezing. It is hailstoning, madness, awful, nightmare, shitholery. The whole idea of Australia, oh, this beautiful place, you know, oh, yeah. Let's discover a magnificent island. Let's send convicts there for no reason at all. It's freezing and wet and dreadful everywhere you go, except Sydney. Except Sydney. No, no, this is a good point well made. In Somewhere in those drunkling ramblings of a madman was actually a very good point because... It does seem it's, it's not a great time of year to play this no, tournament in Australia. It's, it's dreadful. It's been it's raining. Awful. It's been raining. It's been cold in the crowd. The games are finishing at one o'clock in the morning for the locals, which is probably ultimately a tournament will be remembered for the games. And there's been some brilliant games. There's been upsets and it's all been very exciting. But the empty stands, India, Pakistan. I've aside, cried every day. Toby, you, I've cried every day. You've been crying every, every day. day for the last 40 years. But literally, literally, like all all of the moisture has come out of my body. It is that bad. It is, it is you know, like come to Australia, go there. Oh, wouldn't it be great? Do the World Cup. Oh, magnificent. No. Battered by hail, attacked by wind, assailed by rain. I mean, this is like, no human being should have to deal with this. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 appalling. It's up. It's just dreadful. And everywhere where there is good weather, Agus is there. I'm not. No. Hartley. No. Moran. No. We are just in a world of constant pain. I can't tell you. Then now, uh, it, I guess it must hurt a little bit, Norcross. And once again, Ooh. just for people on, listening just at home, Eth- I've just, just seen Ethel. Genuinely, Finn, she it turns up as soon as this podcast starts every week and shows us her rear end. But when she, she hears when she hears my voice, Ethel knows it's time. It does seem to be Norcross. The, something yeah. about Norcross. When Norcross launches into his first voice. monologue of every episode. She immediately starts showing us her rear end. Honestly, mm. without fail. <laughs> oh, here she comes. Hello, oh, Ethel. She, she is beautiful, isn't she? She's adorable. She's absolutely. Hold on. Here we go. Oh, and there's there the go. money shot. Yeah. We, <laughs> we should start a... Why don't we start a sweepstake with the listeners every week? 
tweet us your predictions for next week at Zero Ducks Pod or send us a message on Instagram at Zero Ducks Pod. How far into the podcast will Ethel show us <laughs> her undercarriage or her rear end? Please let us know in the comments. Um, but it, I mean, Norcross, it must also hurt a little bit that you've been sent to Australia at a horrible yeah. time of year. Yeah. The games are finishing yeah. at silly o'clock in the morning. Nobody's in the crowd even appreciating these matches. And yet when it's yeah. been lovely in Australia, you were doing your commentary back home in your kitchen off of the TV, whilst some colleagues have been flown yeah. around the world recently on the BBC dollar. Yeah, I know. I mean, t t tell it to me. It's, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. I mean, you, you live an existential horror, essentially, from day to day. Finney knows it. He, he had it last year during the COVID ashes and uh, and I've got it all over again. It, it's appalling. The hail, the the rain, the misery, the cold. I rang my wife yesterday. I said to Catherine, what's it like in London? She said it's 24 degrees. I've been sat in the garden getting a bit of a tan. I'm, I'm being absolutely battered by rain and wind and brutality to do what? I mean, you know, to watch what? It's, well, I've got something that might cheer you up, Norcross, okay? And yes. normally I wouldn't discuss finances, but I think on this occasion because we can. Because I'm fifth in the league. No, 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 no. No, no, we'll come to that later. But Stephen Finn can no longer complain about having never earned a penny from the Zero Ducks Given podcast, because I can now reveal, Daniel Norcross, that our podcast oh, has grown oh. so irrepressibly oh. massive and huge. Really? That last yeah. month, and bear in mind that it is split between yeah. five people, this podcast made, drum roll please, mm -hmm. a whopping, a mammoth, £92. Just under £20 each, which if you work it out per podcast is just over four pounds a podcast. Right now, Norcross, you are earning four pounds. What are you going to spend with your newfound wealth? Um, well, I'm going to put it towards a Sauvignon Blanc in a local winery in Adelaide. I think four pounds, four pounds, four pounds, four whole pounds, four whole pounds. You've perked up. I really fucking have. <laughs> so it's lucky that you're easily pleased um now yeah. before uh before we discussed how crap it is in australia right now and how ridiculous a place it is to to host the tournament the tournament will ultimately be remembered by the results and by the excitement and it is very exciting it's very tight in both groups in the super 12 now finney i guess some huge teams are going to get knocked out in this group stages and you look at pakistan who are only sitting on two points at the moment at the time of recording. Some big names are going to drop out. England could be one of them. Australia could be one of them. South Africa could be one of them. Actually, no, South Africa will probably just about cling on. But there'll be some big teams that go missing. Um, it would be tempting if England get knocked out of this tournament to do a big post-mortem and an autopsy and talk about where did England go wrong and Butler and Martin, la di da di da But ultimately, in 2020, more than any other format, you just need a bit of luck. Do you need a bit of weather to go your way, a bit of luck during a game to go your way? Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, I think certainly to get through a tournament, you have to time your run. I think if you come into the tournament all guns blazing and have no slip-ups, I think very rarely do those teams actually 
end up going all the way through to the end of the tournament. I think you need fortune and I think you need to time your players coming into form and getting almost their bad game or their couple of bad games out the way early on in the tournament, um, which I think with England having lost to Ireland, but then beating New Zealand and giving themselves an opportunity to make the latter stages of the World Cup, I think could work in their favour. Yeah, and obviously... Hang on, the time... hang on, hang on, hang on. Toby, England just beaten New Zealand by a significant margin, right? Essentially, if they beat Sri Lanka and they know what they will need to do, because Afghanistan played Australia the day before. England, basically, they're home and hosed, aren't they? They should they? be. And I, look, I haven't changed my opinion from last week. England are winning this tournament. I don't care what anybody says. I'm still convinced. But there's no denying that you need a little bit of luck at the right time in this tournament, especially of how tight it is. And uh, and that's what is very exciting about the T20 format. Um, now, let's talk about England and their performances so far. Like we say, a bit of a mixed bag, but one person who cannot be doubted, and I've been his biggest fan since we started recording this podcast, is is Sam Curran, who is a three-dimensional cricketer, but his bowling has been absolutely incredible in this tournament so far. He's a top wicket taker in the Super 12 group stages so far. Uh, Finney, he's, it feels like he's become a bit of a superstar in the in the last six months after an injury spell as well, a, a spell on the sidelines. Yeah, well, I think... Look, he's no doubt he's a talented cricketer. I think on top of that talent, both him and his brother actually possess a competitiveness that um, that makes them special players as well, I think, um, and wanting to do the hard jobs. England coming into the tournament were crying out for someone to take the responsibility at the end of the innings with the ball because that's what lost them the their opportunity to progress in the last T20 World Cup, they were criticised for the way that they bowled the death. And he seems to enjoy the pressure of doing it. You add on top of that, that he's turned into a very good fielder and worked very hard on that by the looks of things and can slap him out the park as a lower order hitter. He becomes a very important player for England in the World Cup. And um, yeah, having had a fair amount of international experience, yet still being a young man, it bodes well for him in the future to, to keep progressing and keep getting better. Fascinatingly today, England completely changed the way they played. They used spin. They tried to use Livingston a lot. They used Moeen Ali in the power play. They used Rashid really quickly. Um, they are a very adaptable side. And, and the team they had out today was perfect for, for all situations. They used Stokes in the first couple of games, four overs in each game. Not today. Just just an over here and over there. They went Livingston big. They went Rashid big. They mulled Moeen in the power play. It's a it's it's a very adaptable side, actually. It's a it's a really, really adaptable team. And yeah. and they did that in a game that was really important as well. I mean when you're yeah. playing against New Zealand the best, possibly the best all-court team in the world, and you've got to win. That was not the way we'd seen England play before, and and yet they played a really brilliant game, and they won it. So fair, fair dues. Yeah, and it was a pitch that's been played on a few times, and it was turning a little bit. And 
Joss Butler still showed amazing bravery to bowl Moen Ali at the start, to bowl Rashid in the power play, to give Livingston free overs as well. And you're completely right. I think Butler's probably best ever game as England captain today to, for the White Bull team. He was absolutely brilliant today. I felt like every decision he made was right. He had Chris Wokes bowl his slurble bounce into the pitch where everyone packed out on the big leg side boundary. He just got all the big decisions right and scored some runs at the top of the order as well. So it was the, mm. the dream day out for Joss Butler. Um, he, we should mention the way that Joss Butler got out. I want to talk about the brilliant bit of fielding and the crap bit of fielding in the game. Oh, the way that Joss yeah. Butler got out, Ben Stokes hit that ball so ridiculously hard at Kane Williamson on the edge of the ring. Kane Williamson not only stopped it, he then fizzed it into Tim Salvey, who took the ball beautifully and whipped the bails off to run Joss Butler out. And that was the exceptional bit of fielding. But Moeen Ali, he won't want to see back his drop catch earlier. And at one point, it looked like it was going to cost England dearly. Um, if you haven't seen the game yet, Glenn Phillips, who at one point looked like he might drag New Zealand over the line as well, spooned one out into the cover. Moeen Ali nonchalantly jogged around Stuck two hands out to catch the ball, and he didn't really get anything on it. It seemed to go no, he got, no, completely through it. He got his chest on it. It was a complete disaster. At that point, England's entire World Cup journey was in peril. It really it was. was. It really was. And Phillips then was Rashid for two monster sixes a couple of overs later, and it just felt like, oh no, here we go again. Finney, I'm sorry to bring up such a negative topic, but it did get me wondering about you. Um, any drops in your career that stand up? First of all, the easiest drop you've ever dropped and also probably the most painful one, one where you went on to see the guy get loads of runs or that was a very important time in the match. Well, yeah, obviously I've played cricket for 15 years, so there's a number of um, different opportunities or things for me to talk about. Um, I'd say my most costly drop was Nick Brown, who plays for Essex. We were playing a pink ball game in 2017, I think it was, against Essex at Chelmsford. And we'd had a couple of injuries, so we had no slip fielders. And I volunteered myself to go and field at second slip, which, you know, isn't the position that many fast bowlers find themselves in. And Nick Brown was on 40, and he edged the ball to me at second slip over my head off Toby Ronan Jones, who was vying for an England place at the time. I palmed it over my head for four, which Toby was obviously very happy about. Nick Brown then went on to get 240. Um, <laughs> and we lost the game by quite a considerable amount, of which I think I was the last wicket to fall shoulder in arms to Simon Harmer um, to just complete the abject humiliation. Um, and I'm not sure I took a wicket in the game, actually. So, yeah. That was a complete and utter shambles. The the catch that I've wanted myself to just disappear into a hole the most, I think, was the Ashes Test in 2013 at Trent Bridge. Do you remember? It was a really, really tight finish. I think we ended up winning by 11 runs or something. Um, Brad Haddon was the last man out, caught behind. But Swanee was bowling. And again, Graham Swan's not someone that you would want to drop a catch off. He didn't mind berating you if you misfielded off his bowling. Um, and they were nine down, still needing a decent amount of runs to win. And I was touring the deep square leg in front of the stand to the right-hand side of the pavilion. And he top-edged the sweep and it was coming towards me. And I dived forward and it went through my hands and went for four. I mean, it, I still stand to this day. It would have been the best catch I'd ever caught in my life. <laughs> but it was an opportunity for us to win the first test of the Ashes series. 
Um, and then for the next half an hour or so that we didn't take a wicket and they were ticking the runs off, you're just walking around the outfield, knowing that everyone in the stands hates you, knowing that your teammates probably hate you and just wanting the whole place to swallow you up. So when we got that wicket, there's a great photo actually because we reviewed it. It wasn't given initially. We reviewed it and then there was a tiny little outside edge on, a, on an off-cutter from James Anderson. And, and yeah, my celebrations in the background of that are just pure um, relief and joy. So yeah, that drop gets brushed over a little bit, but it's still in my mind one of the um, one of the biggest times I've wanted myself to be swallowed up. Greatest drop of all time, Chris Scott, Brian Lara, Doctor on eighteen, regulation catch the wicket keeper. We went to your five hundred and one. <laughs> 400, 483 runs. 483. Don't worry, Scotty. Catch the next one, mate. Catch the next one. Don't worry. Put it behind you. Put it behind you. These things happen. And Finney, so that was your Simon Jones 2005 at Edgebaston moment. See, funnily enough, I remember that test so vividly. I was I was in South Africa at the time watching it at a bar. And the Australian very nearly chased a huge total in the final innings thanks to Brad Haddin. And I remember that going through you. I've only it, until you mentioned it, I'd completely mm. forgotten about it. But I think in hindsight, I had some very choice words for you at the time. And yeah. it's nice that all yeah. these years later, I'm on this podcast and I get to call you these choice words every single week. What a it's amazing how the world goes around. Now, Finney, I don't want to leave on a negative note about your fielding. I'm looking here: eight catches in Test matches, fifteen in ODIs, six in T20 internationals, fifty-one first-class catches, thirty-three in List A, and forty-three in T20s. What's the best Stephen Finn catch in amongst all of those? Oh, well, there's there's been a few of those. Well, right, here um, we go. I should, never should have asked. No, actually... Has he only ever taken 51 catches? <laughs> I mean, my Christ's sake. He's 51 catches in, years. in 202 years. innings. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Really? I, I I've got to have a piss. I'm 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 so staggered by that. And he's off. And he's gone. He's not even sticking go. around to listen to your amazing catches. No. It's most ungodly. Well, I'll sit here and listen to. I you, wonder mate. if he'll leave his headphones on and we have to listen to him piss here. Oh God, I hope not. At his age as well, <laughs> I'd imagine his piss stops about fifteen times. Imagine it. it's a very stop start. Stops occasion. fifteen times. Farts three or four times to squeeze it out. Yeah. <laughs> Just to think, can we hear by it? the way, whilst he's not here, Finney, I don't know if he's got headphones in and he can hear us, but he's so wonderfully levered. He's he's leathered and he looks like he's been asleep for an hour and a half in the build-up to the podcast. So he's yeah. so confused when he got to the screen. It was like a granddad looking for his glasses in the morning after he's had too many whiskeys. He look, well, to be fair, he always looks confused around technology. So I don't know, that might just be, he's still staggered by the technology of a Zoom call. That might be his confusion. <laughs> But he genuinely first started talking. I thought that my headphones weren't right and he was talking in slow motion. And then I heard you talk perfectly normally and realised that it's just, it's just him. It's just him, God love him. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2.
Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, come on then, Finny. Couple of screamers. Couple of screamers. I'm trying to think if I took a screamer in international cricket. I I took a couple of goodies. I don't think I took an absolute screamer. That the best one I took in international cricket is probably caught and bold. Simon Katic caught and bowled at the Gabber in 2010-11, sort of diving forward in my follow-through. But obviously, that was off my own bowling. So, so I had to catch that. I had no choice but to, but to catch that. Yeah, I, I can't think of too many absolutely memorable ones. But as you know, I don't like blowing my own trumpet. So um, I'm sure there are a few in there somewhere. Uh, no, exactly. Of course not. The court and bowls, do you practice those at all? Because... Or does it just, when they hit it back at you, you hope it sticks? Is there a way of recreating that? Yeah, I mean, you, you can try to. But again, it's just pure reactions. You're better off, I think, training your reactions and your instincts and your technique to catch the ball rather than actually practicing court and bowls. Although I would enjoy watching club cricketers on a Wednesday night after they've been sat at a desk all day trying to recreate court and bowls at training. Um, I'd imagine your flimsy, feeble back just snapping in half after being sat at the um, at the desk at the um, the News UK studios or wherever it is you fucking sit all day talking shit. Let's nip that in the bud. It's global that I work for, not News UK. Let's nip that rumor in the bud straight away. Global. But um, I mean, to be fair, I I don't take any catches off any other bowlers, so it'd be arrogant of me <laughs> to take catches off my own bowling. So that's why that's why I purposely put them down because I don't want to disappoint my teammates. So I purposely put down catches off everyone, myself included, so that I feel like I'm treating everyone the same. Norcross, come on, talk to me. I bet you've mm. I bet you've got an anecdote about a screamer that you took in nineteen thirty eight against some 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 batsman that I've never Actually, heard of. Actually, weirdly enough, weirdly enough, the best catch I, I, I ever took wasn't actually a catch because I, I dived full length. So it was a bit of a looper toe ender. I dived from extra cover. I went for it. A big right hand out. I got it in my the very fingertips. I got it. I felt it. And then it just popped out. Like the very worst sort of conquer shit that you could ever do. And uh and it just dribbled out my hand. And it was I and I think of this to the, to it to this day. It was against um ooh, might have been a side near you, actually. It was a, a Oxshot Village. Was that oh, Oxshot Village. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's our rivals. Yeah. That's yeah, our big yeah, rivals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that nearly pulled off an absolute fucking worldie. Do you think in many ways that's a microcosm of your life to this day? Yes, that yes, even your, actually, yeah. Even when yeah. I give you a yeah. question of what's your best yeah. ever catch, your yeah. best anecdote yeah. is a drop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is basically my life, you know. Um, when I think about it, you know, I'm a sort of trainee national treasure. I'm a trainee national treasure. I'm, I think anybody who really understands anything about cricket who listens to cricket knows that um, I'm sort of nearly there, but not quite there. And so do I. Uh, I think we all do. A bit like Philly does. And a bit like you do, Toby. I mean, we're essentially, we're just quite good. We're nearly great. We're sort but of we're not quite. Well, are you, great. Are you yeah. trying to? Are you trying to claim that the three of us on this podcast are three national mm. treasures in waiting? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't yeah, put I mean, us up there with Attenborough and Helen Mirren and mm. the co just yet. Wouldn't but, you? 
Finney's I, probably I closest. I, I mean, he's actually won some Ashes series. Well, you and I have contributed yeah. very little to society. I wouldn't say that. I mean, Finney has won some Ashes series, but then like his entire career's fallen apart. You know, you, uh, you you do some morning gigs and uh, and 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 you're terrific at them. Don't get me wrong. And I, I mean, you know, you really listen to me to realise that I'm fucking staggeringly brilliant, but mm. but not quite good enough. No, you know? no, just you a know? sort of a sort of straight to DVD Jonathan Agnew yeah. in many ways. Yeah, like yeah, a, sort uh, of, yeah. yeah, like a Poundland yeah, I, Agnew I in many ways. Sort of. I think that's I think that's what we all are. I mean, <laughs> we're nearly there, but we're not quite there. I mean, now this actually. All this chat of national treasures leads us quite seamlessly into the next topic that we need to discuss on the podcast this week, because Daniel's in cold crap shit Australia at the moment. He's not the only. It's so cold. It's so cold. He's not the only national treasure in waiting in Australia at the minute, because I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here has rolled into town. My colleague at Radio X, Chris Moyles, has officially been announced. He's going into the jungle. Boy George is in there. Mike Tyndall's in there. Uh, a few other names that people may recognise. Finney, that's got to be your your next gig, right? Because cricketers normally do strictly come dancing, but I can't see your frame getting around a dance floor. I don't want to see your Viennese waltz, whatever it's called. But I reckon you could do a bit of eating kangaroo anus. Would you? Would you do the jungle if they came came a knocking? Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not that comfortable out in no. a jungle sleeping rough or like with a no mosquito net over your tent or you don't even get a tent do you, you just get a hammock you absolute soft cock. in fact i couldn't think of anything fucking worse being the, well i know spiders i just don't like spiders and i think that spiders would be the problem for me okay so we'll, we'll, we'll tell itv to to not bother offering you a contract then how how do you I'd reckon do you'd fare in the it. jungle no I, would, cross? I, I mean i would i would absolutely definitely do it i mean the amount of money you get paid to be assailed by rats. I mean, how bad is that? that what if I ask you an absolute nobody, though? I am an absolute nobody. I mean, for Christ's sake. Yeah, but that's <laughs> the problem. You won't get... Boy George will probably get like a quarter of a million quid, but you'd probably have to pay them. That's the problem. You'd basically <laughs> pay somebody to eat kangaroo anus and have rats climb over you. I can't see how bad that could be. I mean, yeah, the <laughs> other day, don't get me wrong, Adelaide's not a bad city, but we, we had a struggle, right? Everywhere was closed. We need to eat badly and we need to watch cricket. And I went to a really appalling restaurant. I can't believe it'd be worse than kangaroo anus. <laughs> I mean, That's a hell of a review. Really, I hope you left that on their really, TripAdvisor and their Yelp. <laughs> they deserve it, frankly. It was like a dreadful kebab. And, yeah, I, yeah, I can eat kangaroo anus. I mean, I the campaign starts here. I I'd, eat- if Let's get Norcross in the jungle for this time next year because I think I think all four of our listeners would love to see it. Get probably. half a million pounds for this shit, you know. I mean, Christ alive. Is it that bad? You wouldn't Honestly. get half a million pounds. Boy, George might, but you're not getting half a million pounds. That's the problem. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, mm, so what you're essentially saying is, how much money would it take yes. for me to eat kangaroo anus? Uh, seventy-five grand. 
I think. <laughs> fair play. I, I mean, I'd have gone way cheaper than that. 75 grand, fair enough. Think of all the Sauvignon Blanc you could buy with it's that. All right. right, okay, well, there we go. ITV, he's named his price. Norcross wants £75,000 to be in the jungle next year. Right, let's look forward to the rest of the tournament. So I asked for your predictions this time last week and at the start of the tournament about who was going to do what. Finney, I'll come to you. Who are you going for to to lift this trophy? And I know it's a bit of a lottery at the minute, but who have you been impressed by? I've been impressed by England, I think. I still I still think that even though they lost to Ireland, I think that they can build, build momentum as they go through the tournament. I think that they've got almost every base covered for what they need. I think Sam Curran bowling at the death, as he has done, has been a massive help for them um, and the thing that they needed to tick off. I'm also just going to have a look at the groups now to try and decide who I think are, are going to go through. I think you can't discount India. I think Pakistan have been poor and I don't really think they've got a method. I think they were relying on Shaheen Afridi coming back um, and tearing it up and, and he's not really played that much cricket and hasn't been as influential as I think that they um, that they hoped for. And South Africa, probably a good bet to get to the semi-finals and then go no further, you'd say South Africa and India are absolutely nailed on in that group. Mm. They're absolutely nailed on. The issue is, will England beat Sri Lanka and how well will Australia beat Afghanistan? That's all that's going on here in this in this tournament. That will determine semi-finals. New Zealand, they could get pull a surprise. I think they could. I think they could. They've got, they've got players who can win a one-off game. And England are quite lucky not to be facing them in semi-final. They yeah, beat them in in a group game, but you wouldn't want to play them in a one-off. And you certainly wouldn't want to to bowl at Glenn Phillips at the minute, who's the top run scorer in the Super Twelve, and can just—I mean, he's one of those players that you get nowadays that can can hit sixes ninety-five meters without it even coming out the middle of the bat. It feels like it feels like he can tow them for six even on these huge boundaries. It's going to be four brilliant teams in the semi-finals. Obviously, I'm staying completely biased and saying that England is still going to win it. But everybody's second team is surely New Zealand. A- apart from Daniel Norcross, I saw a bad mouthing the New Zealanders earlier. So come on, Norcross, you feel that England were robbed of a run? Look, more than one run, two runs. I mean, this is the thing about New Zealand. They oh, but wouldn't melt in their fucking mouths, would it? Oh, well, they're so fucking lovely, aren't they? All of them. They got tashes, you know. They're, they're sweet. They're nice. They're always really gracious whenever they lose. Kiwis are like Australians, only much, much more evil. And that's what people have not really understood about cricket for the last twenty years. They've been sitting there, gradually in their lair, lurking in their fucking cave, being evil constantly. Jimmy Neesham, oh, we love his bloody tweets, don't we? Yes, but actually deep down, he's evil. Williamson, evil. All of them, evil. They're all evil. They're waiting. They're waiting to unleash their evil, you know? Bastards. You think at me thinking that all this time, New Zealand, because everyone says how brilliant New Zealand and can. Canada is right, and I've been to New Zealand and Canada, yeah. and I have to say, Canada. everyone was lovely, Canada. and I had a That's lovely a time. Lot. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, New yeah. Zealand and Canada are they? Is it a coincidence they're both considered the nicest countries in the world? But is it just because New Zealand is next to Australia 
and compared to the yes. Australians, they're not so bad. Correct. And the Canadians are next yeah. to the Americans, and compared yeah. to the Americans, yeah. they're not so bad. And that's all. South Korea, North Korea. South Korea, yeah. North Korea. This is all. I you mean, you really, Kim Jong Un, lovely bloke, absolutely lovely bloke. <laughs> you go out with him for dinner, and he's the most charming geezer. You've, I've, I've done it many times. Uh, Lee Bumsuck, another great guy, beautiful, lovely. North Korean foreign minister, lovely bloke. When it comes down to it, it's just we're just dragged into these dreadful narratives, and it's completely wrong. Completely wrong. Just, I, mean, I just want I, you to remember, lovely, Lord, I, I, I had a beautiful night with Glenn Maxwell tonight. What a lovely man he is. David Warner, he, he probably runs a koala sanctuary, for all I know. You know, Steve Smith, beautiful, beautiful geezer. The New Zealanders, they're all psychopaths. Every single <laughs> fucking one of them. Just, I just want to remember, Norcross, when we let you finally go to bed after recording this podcast, that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning slightly hungover and just have a flashback to that time you extolled the virtues of Kim Jong-un on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Vague memories of doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be like, I think I got up in the middle of the night recording the podcast and said, oh, Kim Jong-un's <laughs> lovely bloke to go out for dinner with. <laughs> I mean, Finney, you've gone on record in this podcast before for saying that the Kiwis are the nicest team you can play against, right? Yes. Yeah, they are. But I, I, I've enjoyed my, um, my social occasions with New Zealand off the field when we played against them. Um, yeah, I, they're, just, they're just good fellas. They play it hard on the pitch and you know you're in um, a competitive game, but then as soon as you're <laughs> off the pitch and you're in the dressing room having a beer, they're, um, they're very amicable, which I like. Finney, I've got to ask you, on the, on the county scene, is there like a bloke who is widely regarded as the nicest guy in cricket? Because we used to have a guy in our league, Derek Agger, I think his name was, who played for Godalming, who was the loveliest man in the world. He was so good that he used to give me bowling advice when I was bowling to him, and then I'd use it to get him out, and then he'd congratulate me and say, well bowled. That's how nice this bloke was. Is there a guy in the county scene that everyone's like, he's a bloody lovely chap? So actually a chap that I used to play with, Ethan Bamber at Middlesex. He's only, he'd be 22 or 23, I think. And he's just famous for saying sorry after anything that happens. So he was bowling at Kyle Abbott, um, who's a, a battle-hardened South African, you'd have to say. And he'd have been in his early 30s at the time. And we were playing at the Aegeus Bowl. And Abbott, we were trying to get him out. He was doing night watchman and doing a decent job. And Ethan bowled a ball that nipped back and hit him in the inner thigh. And Ethan was like, I'm sorry, are you okay? And Kyle Abbott, after the game, pulled him aside and said, like, I mean this with the greatest respect, never fucking ask me if I'm okay again. Like, <laughs> you're, a lovely, you're a lovely bloke. I know you're a lovely bloke, but when you're playing against someone, don't say sorry for hitting them on the inside side. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan is, is genuinely the nicest. I think he could be the nicest man I've ever met. That's absolutely well, amazing. Did, what, nicer than Chris Wokes? Oh, oh yeah, that's tough. Wokesy is lovely. Wokesy's lovely. Mm. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. Wokesy I mean, as well. He's got Wokesy's what 32, 33 years old now. Remarkable hairline. I was looking at earlier. Here's me where my hairline's slowly going back to the top of my scalp. And Norcross, the less said about you, the better. It's not slow, mate. <laughs> it's that's true. It's going back about the pace of a of a that glaciers are melting in the current climate. But um. <laughs> 
but um, yeah, Wokesy's remarkable hairline, and and I've never met Chris Wokes, I don't think, but everyone without fail says oh. nicest man in the world. Oh. He's always immaculately shit. dressed. He has a has a haircut every week just to make sure that no hair's out of place. Yeah, he's a wonderful family man. Got lovely children. Yeah, there's, there's there's literally nothing much wrong with Wokesy whatsoever. I'd say. You could, you could, you could, you can always tell. Honestly, 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 Toby, you can honestly tell who is the least popular person in the England team by who Wokes is going out with for dinner that night. Because he <laughs> will do that. He will take the most unpopular person out for dinner every night because he's just the loveliest man in the world. <laughs> he's just, he just is the loveliest man in the world. It's You'd be gutted, wouldn't you? Really if, if weird. You'd take that. That would be really heartbreaking if you got into the England setup, and you're there, and then you just knew that you weren't popular when on like day four, Chris Wokes goes, I think we should go out for a bite to eat. I think we should. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're the wanker. Yeah. <laughs> now, Chris, you've been for dinner quite a few times with Chris Wokes, haven't you? I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, rest, I rest my case. <laughs> You genuinely have. I know for a fact that you have. <laughs> there you go. That's all. That's all the evidence that I need. That if you're a wanker, Chris Wokes takes you out for dinner. No wonder I've never met him. I'm bloody lovely. That's why. Doesn't he? He doesn't need to worry about me. He needs to worry about the Daniel Norcrosses of the world. Um, Mark Wood as well. Have you had much interaction with Woody? Because Woody's the sort yeah. of everyone's favourite oh, at the minute. God, he's lovely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Woody's issue is he he doesn't drink, and and therefore. He, he, I think he experiences pain in a different way from the rest of us, you know. So when things don't go right, he doesn't have booze to turn to, and and we all do, you know. When things go wrong, oh, I've had a bad day, I'll go and get hammered. That'll, that'll make things better. <laughs> he, 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 he can't do that. So he experiences pain in a different way. But my God, I mean, he is such an important bowler in England. Team at he's so good. Uh, was... They 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 use him, and and it's wonderful, isn't it? They, today, 155 kilometers an hour, they use him as some kind of nightmarish battering ram, and he's he's quite beautiful to watch. It's you know? I think it's so beautiful that he's this very amiable, lovely, smiley. Yeah. Geordie, who then runs in about 95 miles an hour at people's heads. And, uh, and you just love him because he's such a wholehearted cricketer as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's a very popular member of the team. There's probably a lesson in there. I know that we worry sometimes that we swear too much on this podcast because there are the occasional kids listening. And uh, there's probably a good lesson in there for kids because Mark Wood doesn't drink. He's the quickest bowler England's ever produced, um, universally loved, and an excellent, excellent cricketer all round. I went to school with two kids, and I do the maths here. Two kids in my school, two of my mates didn't drink. All the other mates drank. Two of my mates didn't drink. Last time I saw them was when I opened up the Financial Times, and they were there grinning at me both. Two lovely chaps, never touched a drop of alcohol. Billionaires. Their company's worth a billion dollars. And there's a lesson in there somewhere. If you want to be like Mark Wood or be a billionaire, then don't drink, kids. If you want to be like Daniel Norcross, then pour yourself a glass of Sauvignon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy, by the way. I, I, I'm considering going to get another glass out of the fridge. I mean, what, what, what would be the point of being a billionaire and sober? 
That's a good point. Well made. It's a very good point. Well made. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> um, right. I'm I need to go, but Finney, you're saying you're going to win. I'm saying oh, you're no. going to win. And Norcross, are you saying you're going to win this tournament? Hang on a minute. We are not going until we have discussed where we're at in the league. Right. So we set up this league. This well, is I, fantasy I football we, for people you, that have yeah, just joined the podcast, you, by the way. You did this. You did this. It wasn't anything to do with me. You, Finney, Sal. You're all big into the fucking football, right? Oh, let's do the football thing, right? I don't, I don't really care for football. I mean, my team is AFC Wimbledon. So I generally don't really care. It turns out that you're all shit at it, and I'm not. So what is going to be the forfeit, Toby? I need, I need to I need to have a long hard think about this because every week I think right this is the week where Norcross finally crumbles, and I looked and you're fifth in our league at the moment and you've fifth, been fifth fifth and I yeah. once again I thought I had an okay week and then I go and check and you fluked a load of points again a load of players that you've yeah. never heard of. Um, I'll think about the forfeit again. Listeners have been sending in their suggestions. We'll go through those next week. But at Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter or Instagram. What should the forfeit be if I finish behind Daniel Norcross in fantasy football, considering that I'm a very keen, Has avid Finney fantasy given football up, by the way. player? Has Finney, Finney has a made a sub in about three, four, I, five I, weeks. No, yeah, I've not changed my team yeah, for a long time now. I, I miss it Sal? one week and then... Okay. But what yeah. about Sal? I mean, you know, Sal like, actually goes and produces these games and he seems, to, he seems to care. You seem to care. I... Look, football is okay. I quite like it. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have any like skill in the game because I don't support Liverpool, who apparently are doing quite badly. Is that don't right? Don't worry. Right? Look, like I said, we need to wrap this up. We need yeah. to wrap this okay. up. This podcast has gone on long enough. Very quickly, Dan, yeah. I'll, I'll leave this with you till next week because okay, but I've always, I've, I've never really been a proper. I, I mean, I watch the county championship. I follow the county championship. I'm technically a Hampshire fan purely because mm-hmm. when I was younger. They gave me and my dad a couple of tickets. But what if I completely switch my allegiance and join my home county of Surrey as a fan next season if you finish ahead of me in the mm. fantasy football? Yeah, that'd be okay. I'll let I you mull on I, I it. Quite... Think about this until next I, week. Can I, can, I, can I host your breakfast show one day? Just one day. <laughs> okay, but you need to... I mean, how hard be... can it be? I mean, it's essentially, not... you, you, you turn up in the morning and sound a bit exhausted and play some music. Isn't that it? Yeah. I mean, you'd fit right in, yeah. to be fair, just without the music. Well, i not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I well, mean, I'd, well, I'd choose, I'd choose my music. It'd be quite old. It'd be quite Led Zeppi. You know? <laughs> well, I'll let Zeppie. you think about me becoming an honorary Surrey fan, but uh, we'll talk about this next week. Right, chaps. You, be- you, become, you become a Surrey fan. I get to do one day on Radio X in the morning. I'll run it by my boss and see how we get on. I think he'll say no. (laughs) I think he will as well. (laughs) Right, chaps, see you next week when England will be pretty much World T20 champions. Have a good one. Bye-bye-bye. I love the hat, by the way, Finney. Love the hat. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.